Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. Hi everyone, this is Mark and welcome to another episode of the Mark Hastings Experience and in this episode uh, I'm going to be talking about one of my favourite films um, which is also one of the favourite films of a lot of people uh, and that is the 1979 uh, science fiction horror film Alien uh, that was uh, directed by Ridley Scott and uh, it's the first film in what would become uh, the Alien franchise, uh, which is a, a franchise of um, several films that take place within the same universe um, as the, um, the eponymous uh, alien uh, creature, uh, Xenomorph, um, exists within. Um, and that branches out into um, and connects with other f- uh, film franchises, um, including the the Predator um, film franchise. Uh, but the first uh, film, Alien, uh, is one of my favorite films uh, for lots of reasons. And um, yeah, that's the film I'm going to be talking about today. And I uh, hope you like what you hear. So, uh, as I was saying, uh, in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the 1979 science fiction horror film Alien, uh, which was uh, directed by Ridley Scott and written by uh, both Ridley Scott and Dan O'Bannon. And um, it's uh, a very famous film and very... uh, well-known film uh for lots of reasons and um in many respects um alien changed um uh the way that uh, similar science fiction horror films uh were made uh it really did push the bar um in in lots of ways um um most Notably, because it had such a, a stellar uh, star-studded cast, uh, including um, Tom Skerritt, uh, Scorny Weaver, uh, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, uh, Ian Hom, uh, to name um, more or less all of the the, the actors who uh, who appeared in the the film. And their characters are uh, synonymous um, and are well known uh, even by uh, people who may not have seen all of the Alien films that make up uh, what is called the the Alien franchise, um, which is uh, a franchise that uh, spreads over many different um, media, um, including uh, movies and uh, 
video games, um, and also comics as well. And um, the Alien uh, franchise, and most notably uh, the, the first Alien film um, in which it was uh, introduced, is uh, what is called uh, a xenomorph. Um, and uh, throughout the uh, the Alien films that make up the Alien film franchise and uh, the um, game franchise that everything that makes up the everything that the the eponymous alien or the xenomorph uh, um, appears in uh, is very distinctive and um, it was uh, unlike anything that anybody had had seen previously and um, it's uh, it really does um really does uh leave a lasting impression on um on people uh when they 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 see it. and um and i think that's one of the one of the the things that um really scott um was uh must be uh championed for because he he really did uh create um a character he created uh, an alien species um that um was like the jaws of of its uh of its time an unstoppable um extraterrestrial species um and before that um a lot of alien species had looked very similar in appearance to humans um um, but the the elongated head and the the skeletal uh, appearance of the the alien and the um, the extended mouth that comes out, um, as well as the the, the long um, reptilian like uh, um, tail, um, and it's just its dark appearance and. Yeah, everything about this uh, this xenomorph that um, first appeared um, in uh, in the alien film um, is just just uh, evokes a sense of uh, unsettlement and uh, terror. Probably most mostly due to the fact that this uh, alien species, this xenomorph, um, doesn't have any eyes. It's just a the appearance of the alien is just this uh, completely smooth, elongated head that has no eyes, but it has this very large mouth and these incredibly sharp teeth that are more like razors, and um, this uh, extending mouthpiece that comes out of the the larger mouth that. Um, comes out and snaps and and uh is used as a as a weapon um in in lots of ways um um and when the the alien species the xenomorph as it's uh, referred to was introduced in uh alien back in 1979 it uh it really did cause uh, quite a, a stir and uh it is um uh, because of this, uh, that people um, have kept coming back to the Alien franchise, and that is why so many sequels 
have been made to the Alien franchise um, and that com c complete and make up the Alien franchise. And a lot of these is down to the the design of the Alien, but uh, it's not also that. It's a lot to do with the, the actors and most notably uh, Sigourney Weaver, of course, um, who uh, is the 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 heroine uh, or the, the the main protagonist of uh, um, of the Alien film and of the Alien franchise, and uh, she plays uh, Warrant Officer Ripley, and um, she uh, and Sigourney Weaver, uh, in my opinion, um, is the only one who could. Uh, who could ever have uh, played um, uh, Ellen Ripley, um, which is her her full name, because she and she herself really did push the boundaries for um, what a protagonist in a film could be. Because previous to uh, her appearance uh, in uh, Alien uh, in 1979, a lot of the uh, fictional characters and the, the main protagonists within these uh, blockbuster movies were uh, most notably male uh, but um, her casting Sigourney Weaver's casting by Bridie Scott opened the door for many similar um, female protagonists in films uh, that uh, that came after um, the alien uh, film um, and the alien films that make up the the franchise. Um, the one that really sticks out is that of uh, Linda, ha Linda Hamilton in the Terminator franchise. Uh, someone who made the character of uh, Sarah Connor uh, iconic in the Terminator film and then she returned in um, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And um, She's synonymous with that character, uh, just like um, Sigourney Weaver is with Ellen Ripley, and um, I don't, uh, I don't believe that that's that's an accident. I think um, you would you would definitely have to cast someone incredibly talented to fill the role um, of a very uh, strong uh, woman, a strong um, female. Uh, protagonist um, who will do anything to achieve um, the directive in front of her what she she knows she needs to do and she'll do it and she'll accomplish it no matter what and she doesn't need any help by anybody and um, and she and Ellen Ripley just as Sarah Connor um, are heroes to a lot of people and um, it's no surprise uh because um when you watch what they have to go through in the films that they they star in um you see uh why people would follow them and why they would be so compelling uh, as they are and um ellen ripley's uh journey uh um is is uh one that uh um, is synonymous and absolutely bound to that of the xenomorph um, because she appeared in the 1979 film and um, 
she will always be be known for that role of Ellen Ripley um, and um, I wouldn't imagine that that would be a problem for her because um, she gave everything uh, into the role and um, throughout the franchise there's been, been many ups and downs um, in terms of uh, quality uh, throughout the films but um, like with everything um, there are limits to where you can take certain concepts um, and the alien films um, uh, at one point they were rebooted in a way um, when Ridley Scott uh, decided to release the film Prometheus um, which serves as a, a prequel to the alien the original alien film uh, which is a good film um, uh, but it really took it back to basics and it and uh, the film Prometheus told the 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 story of uh, where the the alien the, the xenomorph came from, um, but uh, that's a story for another day, another episode perhaps. Um, but um, Prometheus uh, has a lot um, to thank uh, the original Alien film for, and a lot of. Uh, science fiction uh horror films have a lot to thank alien for um and also to thank really scott for because really scott is a uh, an iconic director he's directed many incredible films such as um blade runner the martian gladiator um uh, but uh, Alien uh, is uh, I I know that he it's a film that he is very fond of himself um, and uh, he uh, well, uh, speaks about it uh, highly and his uh, return to the Alien franchise in making the film Prometheus is definitely a sign um, that uh, he um, he knew that there was more to more story to be told within the the universe uh which uh, as i stated in, in the, my intro um this franchise has expanded over the over the years over the decades and it has touched uh with other fra similar franchises such as the, the predator franchise they even had a uh, a crossover movie that came out uh i believe in 2008 nine i may be wrong but uh it was an alien versus predator film um which was was good um i wasn't really that uh that keen on the the sequel to that that came out alien versus predator 2 um but uh yeah it, you know you can't you can't win them all but definitely uh a film that i uh i I have um, high regard for and that um, I love to watch whenever I can is the film Alien that came out in 1979 which um, is kind of like uh, it would from the outs, uh, outside looking in would seem like a very simple story um, we catch up uh, we start the film with uh, the the commercial space tug uh, vessel, the Nostromo, um, um, and 
we we find that the crew of uh, the Nostromo uh, are in a in a, a state of stasis uh, when we meet them. Um, they're returning to Earth uh, with uh, the seven their seven crew members, including uh, Captain Dallas, um, uh, science officer Ash, uh, two engineers Parker and Brett, uh, warrant officer Ripley. Um, and they are awoken after the Nostromo detects a transmission um, uh, from a close by planetoid uh, and um, that's when the, the ship's computer uh, which is called Mother awakens the crew uh, which is uh, for reasons that are a part of the the company policy um the this company that they work for um which is we come to discover in the next film is called uh Whalen Utani um it's a merging merger of two uh companies into into one uh, i believe one was american one was japanese um but it's referred to in this film as the company and uh, the company's policy uh, requires the awakening of crew members if there is any kind of detection of any potential distress signal that uh, um, may be in need of investigation. Um, and they detect it com- detect a signal coming from a a planetoid. Um, which is, uh, um, I think it's LV-426. Um, and um, they, uh, the, the crew decide to, to land on the, the planetoid, uh, on the, the moon, and um, to investigate uh, what, uh, what is the source of the distress signal. But during their descent uh, onto the the rocky uh, landscape of the moon, um, the they the crew's uh, vessel, uh, the Nostromo, uh, sustains damage from uh, the atmosphere. Um, but while um, engineers stay aboard uh, to effect repairs, um, uh, Captain Dallas. Um, and uh, the crew members uh, Kane and uh, Lambert head out to investigate, and they soon come um, about a derelict alien ship, uh, which they determine is the origin of the signal, uh, which they enter, uh, and then they seemingly lose contact with the Nostromo. Um, and while they're within the alien vessel, uh, Ripley deciphers uh, part of the transmission and determines that it is not uh, a, a call for help, but it is more of a warning. Um, but she can't relay this information to uh, the uh, the party that is just of the the crew who's gone into this alien ship. Um, but on while they're in 
inside the alien ship uh, investigating um, they encounter um, um, a very iconic uh, image uh, which uh, I believe is referred to as the uh, the space jockey which is this very giant uh, looking uh, alien um, creature that uh, it looks like it's melded into this um, this piece of machinery that looks a lot like a a telescope like some kind of uh, thing something you would use um, to observe something or to uh, interact with something um, and uh, this image uh, is picked up upon in the Prometheus film uh, which is of course is a, a, a prelude to this alien film uh, but the the imagery from this fit of this film and of this so-called space jockey in inverted commas um, uh, is uh, um, investigated and is uh, illuminated you find out who this person is what species they are um, and um, what um, how much of an effect they have on uh, um, the creation of the alien species uh, but all that is discovered in the, the Prometheus film but in this film um, the the crew members uh, they, they discover this uh, this alien um, the space jockey uh, and then they descend um, the the crewman uh Kane uh, descends into a chamber uh, in the vessel uh, where he discovers that it contains hundreds of large eggs um, which are very uh, leathery in appearance um, and when he touches one to investigate it uh, it opens up um, like a flower uh, at the top and from it a uh, a creature jumps from it and um, jumps onto his uh, space helmet that he's using to protect himself from the the atmosphere. As are everybody in the the uh, the uh, the team that has gone out to investigate this um, this signal. And this creature that, that grabs a hold of his uh, face um, and uh, in fact burns through. Um, his helmet is what is called a face hugger, and the face hugger is um, is is a part of the the uh, the biology of this um, the this alien species. It's pretty much the second stage in the alien uh, life cycle. Um, it's got like these eight long finger-like legs uh, which it uses to crawl around and um, a long tail um, to allow it to make great leaps um, and uh, it grabs a hold of uh, um, its victim and it uh, lays an egg down into a person's uh, throat uh, and um, 
and they uh the, the their victims are um sometimes unconscious and they're kept alive for uh, a great deal of time um but when uh kane is attacked um um the crew of the nostromo don't realize what has happened until they um the team uh return to the nostromo um which where uh, dallas um captain dallas and um lambert uh carrying kane's unconscious uh body back to the nostromo and at first uh ripley refuses to let them aboard um citing that it's against quarantine regulations um but um ash overrides them and lets the lets them back in and um this is where it starts off a <clears throat> a series of um excuse me a series of events that uh does not have a uh happy ending uh at all um because um ash is uh he's a science officer um but what we don't realize immediately is that he is also a robot he's an android um and he's basically has a uh, uh software running in the background of his uh brain um that uh contains um something that may have been passed on through uh multiple generations of androids uh, because in the Prometheus film, we get introduced to another android called uh, David. Um, I believe their name is. And uh, he too has this um, uh, obsession with finding out about uh, this alien, an, a, a, alien species, uh, which is basically the precursor to this alien species that we find we are introduced to in uh, the alien film the xenomorph so there's a lot going on there um but this isn't made aware to the crew and it's not really made aware that ash is kind of unstable uh in a way um well very unstable um but it's not until uh, Ash uh, starts to attempt to remove the creature uh, from Kane's face. Um, and then he, when he stops to discover, when he cuts into it, and he discovers that underneath the surface um, of the, the silicon-type um, skin, or the... the um, Oh, that make up this face hugger that's attached to Kane's face. Um, it's, um, it has uh, this corrosive acid underneath it, uh, which, uh, when it's cut into and when it's exposed, starts to eat through the hole of the Nostromo um, and actually goes down through many decks. Uh, I think about three decks of the deck plating of the Nostromo so it's highly corrosive very um, can burn through anything um, uh, but um, 
after some observation um, uh, away from uh, prying eyes uh, n- uh, a little later on um, the face hugger detaches itself from uh, from Kane's face uh, of its own accord and um, when uh, the uh, captain Captain Dallas and uh, Ripley go into the uh, the the medical bay to uh, to investigate where the the uh, the alien is now. They find that it's uh, it's dead, um, and when the, the the ship is now partially repaired, uh, the crew uh, continue their journey back to Earth. Um, uh, and Kane reawakens, um, but uh, he doesn't remember anything of what's happened. Just these uh, foggy dreams of uh, suffocation. But he's main mostly uh, unharmed. Um, and then we see the crew having a final meal together uh, before they would uh, have to return to uh, cryogenic stasis. But then uh, Kane suddenly begins to choke uh, and convulse uh, in what is a very shocking scene, very iconic scene, something that a lot of people remember from uh, Alien over most scenes. Um, and it is the scene where Kane falls back onto the, the, the dinner table after convulsing, and then there is this burst of blood uh, and after which a small alien creature bursts from Kane's chest killing him instantly and uh, after making this uh, this uh, uh, noise um, runs away uh, and uh, uh, escapes from the crew and hides uh, on the Nostromo um, and of course uh, at the android uh, Ash, the science officer uh, dissu- tries to dissuade the crew from uh, killing him um, and instead he tries to convince the crew to uh, capture it and return it uh, to Earth for further investigation and of course, uh, it's it's um, pretty clear that Ash has other intentions. It's not something that was made aware to me when I first watched Alien when I was uh, much younger. But uh, upon subsequent uh, viewings, uh, after listening to the uh, the director's commentary by Ridley Scott and watching um, certain documentaries associated with the film um it's it's very apparent that um ash and similar androids to him have this this hidden directive to investigate and to do what they can to um find out more about the biological nature of uh, certain alien species um but the crew does attempt to locate the the alien um uh with the, uh while using uh, tracking devices uh in order to capture or kill it 
um, so they can uh, return it um, as is the directive or as has been uh, ordered by the the science officer uh, Ash uh, which Captain Dallas goes along with um, uh, but one of the engineers of the Nostromo Brett uh, follows the, the crew's cat uh, Jones or Jonesy um, and while doing so uh, he, he follows them into a, a landing uh, compartment um, where we see a now fully grown alien the, the fully grown xenomorph in all its adult glory um, attack Brett uh, and uh, seemingly disappears with his body with no uh, nothing left but that of uh, some dripping blood um and then after a uh, heated discussion, the crew decide um, that uh, the, the creature, the alien, must be in the air ducts. And then Captain Dallas uh, decides to enter one of the ducts himself, um, intending to force the, the alien into an airlock. Uh, but uh, in what is a very tense scene, and we watch... The crew monitor Captain Dallas and and his um, his progression through the air ducts. Um, Dallas is uh, ambushed by the creature, um, and uh, it uh, takes him back to uh, takes him to another part of the the ship, and uh, we we initially think he's been killed um, by this a by the alien, but uh, he's been um, preserved in uh, in no uncertain terms uh, for reasons that we don't find out at the end to the end of the film. Uh, but uh, we he doesn't uh, live to um, to uh, feel um, any more pain than he than he has to. Um, but um, the crew doesn't know what's going on. They don't know where Dallas has been taken. Um, but uh, uh, Lambert, um, realising that uh, the alien intends to aggressively kill the crew one by one, um, asks uh, all the survivors of the crew uh, to abandon ship and tells them that they should escape in a small shuttle. Uh, but um, Ripley, who is now in command, uh, says that the 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 shuttle won't uh, can't uh, hold four people, and she insists that they continue with Dallas's plan of flushing out the alien. Um, but while uh, accessing uh, Mother. Uh, which is the central computer of the Nostromo. Ripley discovers um, that Ash has been secretly ordered by the company to bring the alien back and that the crew are expendable. Um, while she's there uh, uh, addressing uh, the orders and... Uh, um, 
uh, in uh, direct interface with Mother, uh, the the computer. Uh, Ash um, appears, and she confronts Ash about what she's just read uh, about his secret orders, and uh, he tries to choke her as a result. Um, and then when uh, Parker uh, turns up, um, tries to stop Ash by hitting him, um, he ends up knocking his head loose from his shoulders and uh, revealing him to be that of an android. So he's not even human. Um, and then he spills out this uh, white uh, blood, this... Uh, Synthetic blood from his uh, um, from his mouth, from his uh, from his neck. Um, but um, Ripley decides to uh, decides that they need to reactivate him because they need to learn why he was assigned to ensure the creature's survival. Um, and uh, when he is very briefly reactivated, Ash expresses uh, extreme admiration for the creature's uh, um, psychology um, uh, saying that he is unhindered by a conscience or morality and he taunts them about their choices and their chances of survival but uh, Ripley cuts the power away from him um, and they leave him uh, uh, deactivated and then they uh, incinerate him uh, with a flamethrower. And then the remaining crew uh, of uh, Ripley, Parker and Lambert uh, decide that they have no other recourse now but to uh, self-destruct the Nostromo and escape in the shuttle. Uh, now that Ash is dead, uh, they know that shuttle will um, be able to hold them However, Parker and Lambert uh, are ambushed while uh, going to collect some coolant uh, from the Nostromo. And they are killed by the alien um, while uh, gathering the, the life support supplies. And Ripley uh, decides to initiate the self-struct sequence herself. Uh, but she uh, comes up, comes face to face with the, the alien themselves blocking her path to the shuttle um, she retreats uh, and um, attempts to then unsuccessfully abort the self-destruct um, but uh, she isn't um, she's successful in this unfortunately um, and with no further options at her disposal she decides to uh, make her way to the shuttle and uh, to get off the Nostromo before it explodes. Um, she does make it to the shuttle and uh, it, uh, it launches. Um, at the end of the film, uh, just as Ripley prepares to enter into her stasis tube uh, so that she can sleep for the remainder of her journey back to Earth, um, she comes to discover that the alien is still aboard uh, and it's wedged itself into a narrow space near 
uh, it, within the the cryostasis uh, unit, um, where she's about to uh, go to into stasis, um, and she uh, it, it reaches out its hand to try and uh, grab a hold of her, um, uh, and that's when she Ripley. Uh, slowly but surely retreats into a space where um some some uh, spacesuits are being um uh um held um where they're um they've been left there uh, in case of uh they're they're needed um and she very slowly and as quietly as possible um inserts herself into one of these uh um, environmental suits, these uh, um, um, astronaut suits, and then she comes out and uh, uh, tries to uh, re- uh, release um, uh, and unlock the airlock door uh, to try and flush out the alien. And um, and blow it out into space, uh, essentially to evacuate all the air and all the atmosphere within the within the shuttle. Um, um, but the alien uh, becomes tethered to the shuttle uh, because uh, Ripley tries to uh, to to shoot at it with a grappling hook, but uh, um, that enables the alien to become tethered to the shuttle. Um, and then it gets pulled inside one of the engine exhausts uh, at the rear of the ship. Um, and that's when Ripley decides to, to fire the engines um, and to to blast the, the alien away, um, uh, away from the shuttle um, um, and to um, seemingly kill them uh, before they could, uh, could get back on board the shuttle. And, uh, and get to Ripley, and then right at the end of the film, um, Ripley records a final log entry, uh, telling whoever is listening or whoever will find her about what happened aboard the Nostromo with the crew and the alien, um, and then she signs off, um, and uh, she predicts that she'll be in stasis for six weeks before she'll be discovered by um by anybody and then she places uh the 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 ship's cat jonesy uh into stasis and then herself into the stasis for the trip back to earth and that's how the film ends and um as i was saying it's uh, a fantastic film great film uh, Tom Skerritt is brilliant uh, as Captain Dallas, um, the captain of the Stramo. Um Sigourney Weaver, of course, uh, as Ellen Ripley. Um, she's uh, just brilliant, and no one else could have played her, in my opinion. Um, she and as I said, she really did uh, light the spark for a lot of um, female. Uh, actors like her to take on roles that have such a a, a prolonged um, um, uh, um, 
um, meaning to a lot of people, uh, profound meaning. Uh, a lot of people have have looked to Ellen Ripley, the character of Ellen Ripley, uh, as a, a source of um, of uh, of um, female um, strength uh, and inspiration. And um, yeah, she she's uh, definitely a hero for a lot of people. Um, and uh, Veronica Cartwright uh, as Lambert, uh, the Nostromo's navigator, is also great in the film. Um, uh, Harry Dean Stanton as Brett, uh, one of the uh, the engineers aboard the Nostromo, is uh, hilarious uh, in uh, uh, a lot of scenes. And he's a great actor, Harry Dean Stanton. He's been in a lot of great films, uh, great TV shows. Um and of course, John Hurt uh, has Kane, um, uh, who's the executive officer aboard the Nostromo, who becomes the first host for the alien, uh, the first person on screen uh, who would uh, have a alien uh, chest buster, uh, as they're called, burst out of his his chest, um, uh, which is a scene that has become iconic throughout the decades um uh and of course Ian Hom uh who plays the android Ash uh who's the ship science officer uh who uh is a great actor um and uh yeah there's a lot of tension uh on screen with him very a lot of um danger especially when he's revealed as the android and uh when he goes uh, absolutely berserk, um, uh, and then the the actor um, Yalfet Koto uh, as uh, Parker, uh, one of the other uh, engineers um, aboard the Nostromo, is another funny, great character. Really bounces off the character of uh, Brett, um, and those two have great chemistry together. Um, and the alien. Um, uh, the xenomorph uh, what more could be said about about them um, and of course the the alien uh, design um, the synonymous design of the alien was all taken from the concept um, art of uh, the uh, the well-known um, uh, Swiss artist uh, J.R. Geiger um whose uh artwork um continues to be um praised by many people and has been uh used as the inspiration um for uh a lot of great films especially mostly set within the alien franchise um but uh it's so iconic and it really does capture um the the intrigue and the the uh the alien um race that is the the xenomorphs um in in such a way that uh you uh you want to know more about them um and i'm not sure whether at first when the film first came out first came out in 1979 whether there was a plan for any further films to be made um by Ridley Scott or by anybody else but 
uh, when other films uh, did come, um, especially the the sequel, the direct sequel to um, Alien, uh, which is called Aliens, uh, back in 1986, um, it really did. It took the the Alien franchise one step beyond uh, in the fact that uh, in that film there wasn't just one alien there were many aliens and um, that's another great film and I would love to cover that in a future episode of the podcast because it's a great film and in fact it's actually heralded by a lot of people as one of the greatest sequels of a film Um, up there with Godfather Part 2 and Back to the Future 2 and uh, yeah some great sequels that have been been made um, but it, it really uh, it's uh, it couldn't be uh, as great as it is if it wasn't for the how great this the original Alien film was um, and uh, I think uh, I have to agree with Ridley Scott that it is, uh, it is uh, a really excellent film in so many ways. Um, and I think it really delivers on um, on something that it has in common with uh, Jaws. I mean, at the beginning of the film, it really does build up the, the suspense the tension the intrigue uh we don't know that much about the the alien and um even by the end of the film we don't really know much about them but we know that they're an absolute killing machine um they are unstoppable um and uh they uh it takes a lot if you can stop them it takes a lot to stop them to kill them um and it really created the the xenomorph, the alien, is a threat that really um, hasn't been matched, uh, in my opinion, by uh, similar films that have tried to repeat the success of Alien. Um, and uh, that is a, a a tribute to just how special of uh, a character and of a species um, the alien is. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, to, to, to great tribute to, uh, what an incredible filmmaker Ridley Scott is that he was able to recognize, uh, at the time that, um, they had this, uh, this creature that, um, not only looked alien, but, um, it had this, um, had this threat that aliens previously didn't have um i mean you had you always had uh, uh alien species in science fiction films in the past or in tv shows such as star trek or uh doctor who um or in films such as uh star wars which came out two years previous to the alien film but this really created a threat uh in such a way that um, even now uh, in all the sequels that have been made um, really is thought of as the uh, an, like a, as, it, as it was uh, an apex predator of a, an alien species and 
as I was saying, within the, the film Prometheus and within the film Alien Covenant, we find out uh, where the alien came from, his species. And um, a lot of it um, has to do and can be traced back to humanity and um, also with humanity's um, association with another alien species. Um, that is revealed within Prometheus, which is, uh, as I say, a great film and is a precursor, uh, a prelude um, and a prologue to the Alien franchise. And I've always enjoyed the Alien franchise. Um, as I said, some films better than others, uh, more than others. Uh, and Alien is definitely one of those films that stands out. Uh, from the franchise but it also stands out from a lot of other films because um, it took um, the concept of a a uh, um, an intriguing uh, and dangerous alien species to another level um, and uh, that's why it's so, so so synonymous as a as a film uh, and the design of the alien film the alien in the alien film is so synonymous and it is um it's um concept and uh, uh its appearance has uh lasted and has ingrained itself within the consciousness of many people um many viewers and uh casual viewers uh, alike as being um, one of the most uh, terrifying images um, because uh, and I think a lot of that is because it doesn't have any visual um, eyes it doesn't it, it's just black it's just this dark um, smooth um, um, creature that you can't talk to you can't bargain with it doesn't talk back to you. It just has this um, unstoppable instinct for survival and to be the apex predator um, and to do all that it can to survive um, and to, to kill any apparent threats that it may have. Um... So yeah, that's why it's so so iconic, such a such a great and imposing uh, uh, alien species um, that, uh, in my opinion, really hasn't been matched uh, since its uh, since its creation, since it first um, since it first uh, donned the the silver screen within the film uh, Alien. Um, but the the other sequels the sequels that came out um they they have definitely added to the 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 character of uh the alien um and they are uh important pieces of the the franchise um but uh, in some cases uh um there has been some contradictions made uh but uh to the 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 origin perhaps and where they came from especially in the alien versus predator uh films but um 
I think if you just focus on the, the main uh, films of the Alien franchise, then uh, you'll you get to see uh, an arc, uh, uh, mainly of the character of uh, Ellen Ripley, um, and her association and her uh, many encounters uh, with the alien species. Um, and uh, it's great to watch, great to enjoy, great to to think about, um, and that's why uh, films like Alien have um, continued to be so well regarded, and continue to be among um, and on the lists of some of the greatest films ever made. Um, and a lot of it is down to. Um, the way that uh, Ridley Scott uh, directed and introduced the Xenomorph uh, as he did um, and he really didn't pull any punches either and that's a great thing about Ridley Scott as the director he really goes all in on what he does um, and the way that he introduced the, the Xenomorph in Alien uh, really does speak to how he understands um, uh, threat uh, and introducing a character that uh, um, will be long remembered. I don't know if that's an instinct of his or it's something that um, he he didn't know that he would be be so uh, when he first started making Alien, but. Um, yeah, I think he he did. I think he he knew that he'd um, he'd arrived upon uh, a story uh, that uh, would be something that a lot of people would look to and and want to replicate. Uh, and it's something that people have tried to do over the years. Um, but uh, in my opinion, um, a lot of the similar films that have been made uh, really don't hold a candle to Alien and uh perhaps the sequel definitely because it really expands upon um the first film in a very gradual and a very natural way and also because of the way they handle Ellen Ripley and uh what she had to go through um and uh yeah but yeah I think we're going to leave it there for now I think I've uh, spoke uh, enough about this the first alien film uh i would definitely like to um to um do a review of uh the sequel film to this film aliens in a future episode um because uh as i said it uh it uh, really does add a lot to this film and um um it's definitely a uh, a very uh, uh, perfect pairing uh, with this film so definitely one to watch also uh, but Alien is definitely a film that if you haven't seen you should definitely see um, because it uh, it really is um, a feast for the senses and it really gives you uh, a cinematic experience that is uh, um is very special um um but it's not for the faint of heart definitely not um but if 
if uh, you can stomach it, uh, then definitely uh, make a plan to watch Alien if you haven't done so already. But yeah, so I think I'm going to leave it there for now. I just want to say thank you for listening. I hope you like what you heard and I'll talk to you again soon. If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me uh, which is my website and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years um, if you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in a uh, book form uh, and go to Amazon and you'll find um, all 10 of my books that I've had published um, they're all books of poetry um, uh, books of stories uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences um, and there'll be more to come and uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to uh to the podcast then you can do so by heading over to patreon and searching for mark the poet and uh your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated um but uh, as i was saying i hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode um and i'll talk to you again soon